Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Amen, amen. If you, uh, if you have your Bibles, um, open up to Luke chapter 2. And if you don't have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to the person to your left or to your right. And if they don't have them, we're all in trouble. Amen. No, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have one verse on the screen, but I want to read, uh, I wanna read a, a portion of the, the Christmas story. And, and I'm going to read a little bit of a passage, and then we're going to all read verse 14 together. And so if you have your Bibles, you can join with me in verse 8. And we catch the, uh, right after baby Jesus has been born, the Bible says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And angels of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, and they have this verse on the screen, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Can we read that all together? Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Um, has anybody, does anybody still go Christmas caroling at all? Is that a thing of the past? I know we had a, a contingent of the choir go to a, a nursing home yesterday and do some Christmas caroling. And uh, Christmas caroling is something that uh, kind of scares, uh, scares me to death um, because uh, singing in front of people. But it's also something that when I was a kid, I secretly loved because I love to sing. And depending on who you ask, I'm really good at it. Um, <laughs> But this was really kind of the first Christmas carol. Jesus was born, and the angels come. The angel's there, but then surrounding the angel is a whole heavenly host, which is really like a whole army of angels. And it's a little ironic that there's an army of angels coming to declare what? Peace. And they come and they sing a song of peace. They give a Christmas carol of peace. They make a declaration of peace. Even what we sang earlier, O Holy Night, it's a declaration saying, God, on that, that night, out of any other night, that was holy. There was something divine that happened that still affects us today. And that's what the angels did. They came down and they declared it. Now, that started a tradition of years and years and years that we sing Christmas carols. People wrote Christmas carols. Um, about a, 150 years ago, right around the time when even O Holy Night was written, that we we sang earlier, there was a, a famous poet by the name of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, and he wrote a Christmas carol that at that time was even more popular than Holy Night. It's kind of gone out of style, and, and it's not published or sang anymore, but there's a, a passage that I want to show you real quick, and, um, and it says this. It says, uh, they're going to put it up real quick. It says, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play, 
And wild and sweet, the words repeat, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Wild and sweet, he said. So what he's saying is, is even that verse, Luke 2.14, peace on earth, he's saying it's so wild, but it's so sweet. But the problem was, was that he lived in a time that he knew what the Bible said. And he knew the reality of the Christmas story. He knew the reality of God coming to earth as a baby in a manger. But he couldn't, he had, he had trouble connecting the dots between what the Bible said and what the, the truth was in the word of God and then what the world looked like around him. See, he was, he was in the middle of, it was 1865 and it was the middle of the Civil War and uh, the Battle of Gettysburg had ended three or four months prior and they were literally still counting the bodies of all, the dead, of, of all the dead soldiers. There was uh, um, an intense war between was it okay to, 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 to own slaves or was it not? It was an intense war of, of what's right and what's wrong. It was an intense war that, that he couldn't reconcile. God, you said that there's supposed to be peace, but everywhere I look, I don't see peace. And so even in the midst of this beautiful, of this beautiful hymn, this beautiful Christmas carol that, that was sung in churches all around, the, re, the real kind of story behind it was there was an added stanza that he wrote that, that obviously nobody sang in churches, but, but it said this. It says, there is no peace on earth, catching it in the middle, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. What he was saying, and it's so sad, is that I read the word of God, but then I look and I know the reality of Christmas. He was a believer. He knew, he knew what happened, and he knew why God came. He knew that it was to bring peace. Everybody say peace. 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 <laughs> but he looked around, and he said, I don't see peace. And it wasn't that he only looked around in his present time, but... But he looked at history, at the fact that between 1500 BC, 1500, before, 1500 years before Jesus came, and even to this present day, that there have only been 286 years that there hasn't been a war. For every 14 years of war, there was, there's been one year of peace. That there, were, that there have been 8,000 peace treaties that have been violated. Peace treaties that have been meant to stand forever, and they last an average of less than two years. And he's looking around, and what he sees is a lot of what we see today. We look around and we say, wait, peace on earth, where is the peace? Where is the peace when we think about what, what's going on in the world, when we think about Aleppo, Syria, or we think about uh, oppression even to, to Christians throughout the, throughout the world, or we look at North Korea, and we say... And we say, where, where is this peace? Or even look, we look in our city and we say, where is the peace in our city when there are more murders than there are days per year? But what he missed was that this was not just something that he was thinking about, but this was something that even the heavenly host of angels who came down and said, peace on earth and goodwill to men, this was something that they knew that even the shepherds that they were telling them had a context of. See, the shepherds, they were, they were in, a, in a society just like ours where it was violent. 
They lived under Roman rule, and the Roman rule, they had a, they had a crest, and on the crest, it said, Pax, what do I need to do? Grab the handheld? And the, uh, good? And, and the, the crest said, Pax Ramona, and it, it meant peace in Rome, but Rome had to, they had to fight just to maintain their own peace. They couldn't even keep their own peace. And so the, the, the shepherds that the angels are talking to, the magi that the angels are talking to, anybody that's hearing this declaration, they're hearing peace on earth. But even when they leave, they're going, wait, we don't see any peace. Herod's killing all the little babies in the land. We don't see any peace. Where is this peace? And what, what he's saying, what the angels are saying, what God's saying through it is in our world... We may look around and we may see there's no peace. And then a lot of times, that's, a lot of times we don't even realize the lack of peace in our world because we're so blinded by the lack of peace in our hearts. A lot of times we can't even see beyond ourselves because of the anxiousness that's in our hearts. Because of the worry and the unsettling that's in our hearts. Because of the longing for love and acceptance and security that we have that sometimes go unmet. And what the angels are saying, what this heavenly host is saying is, hey, I'm bringing you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And here it is. There's going to be peace on earth. Now, is he saying that, are the angels saying and is God saying there's going to be peace from all wars? Not necessarily. Is, is he saying that there's going to be peace from, from all uh, outside extremities? No, not necessarily. But what he's saying is, there's going to be peace, and it's a peace that I'm offering that this world can't offer. It's a peace that I'm offering that no, that no place in this world, that no army can settle, that no military can settle, that no government can settle. I'm going to offer you a peace that surpasses all understanding. People won't be able to understand it. You know, we sang good, good father. It said, peace so, uh, uh, so unexplainable, I can hardly what? I can hardly think. You ever overthink things and it causes you to worry and concern and you get so wrapped up in your worrisome thoughts? God's saying, no, no, peace so unexplainable that you won't even be able to think about it. You won't even be able to comprehend it. There's going to be no understanding. I'm going to offer you peace. But when you, when God offers that peace, it's not something to be attained it's not something to be earned. It's not something that you can work for. God, what I want to talk about is the gift of peace that God offers. God offers a gift of peace. There's a peace that he says, no, no, I want you to stop working for it. I want you to stop striving for it. I want you to stop trying to earn something. He's saying, I've got a gift for you, and it's free. I have a gift for you, and all that you have to do is receive it. A lot of times we might get gifts, and, and we might discard them, or we might re-gift it and say, this is for somebody else, this isn't for me. Sometimes we might get gifts, and we don't value it, or we don't process or understand what it took for somebody to give us that gift. But God's saying, I've got a gift. It cost me a lot, but it was worth every penny to give it to you. I have a gift of peace. We, uh, I was at a uh, kind of a, a Christmas party the other day, and there was a gift exchange, and somebody received uh, 
a Starbucks tumbler. And when they opened it, I thought, oh, man, that would be, that would be nice. That's, that's useful. Like, uh, I, I'm always drinking. It never fails. Like, once a week, I'll leave my house, and I'll have a cup of coffee, but it's just, like, the cup. It's the mug. And then I'll spill it either on my jeans or on my, my, my car seats, and I'll have, like, four or five coffee stains, or I'll, I'll spill it on the floor. Either way, and, and, and I'm driving fast to work, and it's spilling left and right. And I'm like, man, I should just use one of those. So, so I'm like, that's a, man, that's a great gift. Like, that's useful. It's practical. It looks nice. And then, and then the gentleman who received the gift, he, he read the card, and it said, this tumbler, bring it into Starbucks every day in January, and you'll get a free cup of coffee. They'll fill your tumbler free with coffee. And I was like, whoa, like, that's the gift that keeps on giving. That's a dual-purpose gift, you know. I'm like, man, I got to go gift myself. I got to treat myself today. You know, I'm going to go to start. I'm not waiting for that gift. And, uh, and the same thing goes for God's gift of peace. There's, it's kind of a dual gift. There are two real benefits that come from it. And the first gift that comes, the first benefit that comes with God's gift of peace is peace with God. Everybody say peace with God. When God came to earth and the heavenly host, they said peace on earth. What they were saying was we're bringing this son, this, this son of God, this little baby in a manger. He's not just like a little baby and he's not just going to be a teacher. He's not just going to be somebody who's going to perform miracles. No, no, no. This is something much greater, and you may not realize it right now, but what we know now is that Jesus came, and he came as reconciliation. He came as a substitute. He came as God's peace offering for our sin. He came to give us peace with God, peace offering. In the Old Testament, when, when the Israelites would, when the people of God would sin or, or when the people of God were living their lives to cleanse themselves and to, and to earn God's forgiveness in a sense, they would come to the temple with peace offerings. God's, God was saying no more. No more striving, no more working. No, no, I'm giving you one peace offering and it's right here. I'm giving you one offering to, to bridge the gap, to mend the gap, to take, to take your sin and make it and make you just and righteous with God. And it's right here. It's a peace offering. The angels were declaring there is peace on earth. Why? Because, because all wars are going to cease and because everybody's going to be nice to each other? No, no. He's saying because the most important part of peace in your life and the most important thing to God is your heart. And your heart is going to be wiped clean through this peace offering. And you are going to be brought into fellowship with God. Peace with God. Amen. You know, a lot of us. In, in our everyday lives, there are relationships that we have that sometimes get broken. It might be temporarily. It might be, I mean, it's always temporarily, but it might be for a short amount of time. It might be for a long amount of time. But, but a lot of times what happens is there's some sort of peace offering that's exchanged. Even if it's, a, if, even if it's an apology. Even if it's, a, if it's an I, I forgive you or, or it's a word of, of, of reconciliation. There's a peace offering that happens in relationships. And God was coming and he was saying, 
For years and years and years, my people have strived and they've tried and they've worked to, to mend the gap and to, and to be okay. But he's saying, no, no more. It's time that I give a peace offering. A lot of us, a lot of us, we might be saved and we might have accepted Jesus as our Savior. We might have peace with God in that sense. But a lot of us, we still walk around with, with condemnation or with guilt sometimes. Sometimes when we fall short, we say, oh, God's not going to accept me. But that undermines God's peace offering. That's saying, God, your peace offering, it was good enough to save me, but it's not good enough to, to, to cleanse me of this sin. It's not, it's not good enough to, to reconcile me of this, of this deception that I've been under. I, uh, you know, before God got a hold of my life, um, I, uh, I got into my fair share of, of tussles and, and fights occasionally. And, uh, and one time I was, I was in college and I had, a, I had a roommate who was a dear friend of mine. And we played, on a, we played basketball together in college. And there's something, while, while before, before, everybody say before, before God got a hold of me, I would get into some fights. But there was something extra that happened when I stepped onto the basketball court. It was, there was something extra that happened when, when the competitive fires started to flare. And I was, we were in practice and we were scrimmaging and my roommate was on the other team and we wound up guarding each other. And I don't know what happened, but we wound up getting in a fight. We wound up, well, a heated argument. And this heated argument extended to the locker room after practice. This heated argument extended to the cafeteria after practice. And this heated argument even extended to when we encountered each other on the stairs going up to our dorm room where we lived together. And we, uh, we were with two other teammates. I was with one. He was with one. And there we were. And we started shouting at each other. And, and we got into a fight. And we wound up tumbling down the stairs together. And, and when we got up, I allegedly, I said, uh, I said, if you come back, you better sleep with one eye open tonight. And he looked at me like I was crazy, and I went back to my room and kind of cooled off a little bit. And then the whole night went by, and he never came back. And so the next day I went to, I went to practice, and there he was. And I didn't, say much to, I didn't say much to him. He didn't say much to me. We went to the cafeteria without saying much, and I went back to my room. And again, he never came back. And then the third day... We went to practice, and there he is, and there I am, and we're still not saying much to each other. And then uh, the rascal that I was, I got into an argument with somebody else on the team. And you're like, man, this is a dysfunctional basketball team. And I'm getting into an argument, and again, this argument extends into the locker room. And this argument extends on the way to the cafeteria to the point where, where me and this other gentleman are kind of in each other's face. And out of nowhere, now my roommate, I'm not the biggest guy, but my roommate was a couple inches taller than me, but like 260 pounds of sheer muscle. Like he was like, he lived in the weight room. Um, he, he, I don't know what he was doing playing basketball. He should have been playing football. And to this day, he's like a professional bodybuilder. And he steps in. Why I was fighting him in the first place, that's, a, that's just a, an account of my foolishness at the time. And my friend, he, well, I'm, in a, I'm in a scuffle with this other guy. And out of nowhere 
comes my roommate and steps in the middle and pushes this guy and says, if you've got a problem with him, you've got a problem with me. And the guy stood down. Later that night, we went to our room, and he finally came back. And, uh, and I, said, I said, why didn't you come back? And, and we talked about it, and he said, because you're crazy. And I said, fair enough. And I said, but wait, why did you help me in that, why did you help me in that fight, in that argument? He said, you know what? I realized that our friendship and our relationship is a lot more, is a lot bigger than your own foolishness. And he said, he said, you know, I was just willing to pay whatever cost it took for us to be reconciled. He said, if, if, if that meant that I had to apologize first, even when I didn't do anything wrong, he said, I was willing to do that. And you know what he was saying? He was saying, even when you mess up, even when you're foolish, right? And I was foolish for getting into another fight. Even when you're foolish, I'm going to come and I'm going to have your back. Even when you don't deserve it, I'm going to come and I'm going to take your side. Even when you don't deserve it, I'm going to come and I'm going to stand beside you. And when I look back, he doesn't, he doesn't follow God. He's not, he's not, you know, going to church or, 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 but when I look back, I say, man, that guy taught me, even before I knew Jesus, that guy taught me one of the greatest characteristics of God. That no matter how foolish I am, no matter how trapped I feel, no matter how, how, how deep I go down a, down a ditch that I shouldn't be going in, Jesus, his peace offering, it was one time, but it covered everything. His peace offering, it covers what you did 20 years ago. It covers what you did five years ago. It covers what you did yesterday. But you know what? If, if, it still covers what you did yesterday. If you say, you know what? I, didn't feel, I, I feel like I'm trapped in guilt. I feel like I'm trapped in shame. I feel like I don't measure up. Or like what I did, it's too much and God is ashamed of me. No, he's a good, good father and he's coming to your side and he wants to rescue you. His peace offering, it's good. It's a gift to receive. This world, it gives peace offerings. Think about, the, think about ambassadors that go from nation to nation to try and make peace or, or maintain peace. And they bring peace offerings and peace offerings. God, he gives us a peace offering every day by the Holy Spirit active and in our lives. That he's able to say, Yo, you can come to me at any time. Jesus, the, the Bible said that Jesus is our great intercessor. He's, he's, he's on our behalf. He's acting. He's, he's he, an intercessor, somebody who stands in the gap between what is in the reality and what God wants it to be. And Jesus is standing in the gap for you, not just when things are great, not just when, when you're in a, an addiction, no thing else can save you. It's every time in between. And Jesus is the great intercessor. He's saying, no, my peace offering, it came 2,000 years ago in a manger, and it's still good. There's no expiration date on that. The other, uh, the other benefit that comes from this gift of peace, it's a dual benefit type thing. The other benefit is God gives us peace in life. He gives us peace in life. What does that mean? That means that we have peace with God relationally, but now... Because Jesus came on this earth and because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, he gives us access to have the characteristic of the peace of God as we walk about in our lives. 
So when you're, when you're facing a storm, you're not just on your own and you're, you, you, don't, you have peace relationally with God. But no, no. Now God wants to give you the peace of God. He wants to give you peace in your everyday life. It's a character trait of God. The better, the better that you know God, the closer you walk with him every day. And the closer that you walk with him, the more you start to understand him. Am I right? The closer that you walk with him, the more you read his word, the more that you're around the people of God, the more that, that you cling to his wisdom, you realize how wise he really is. You realize how powerful he really is. You realize how loving he really is. That he's a good, good father. That, that his love, it doesn't run dry. It doesn't end. The Bible says that his mercy is like an endless ocean. So when you start, to, the closer you walk with God, the more you understand him. And the more you understand him, the more you realize how great, how powerful he is. And you know what I've found? The more you realize who he really is and all of his character and how great he is, the smaller your worries become. See, a lot of us, we walk around with this, with the strife of the world in our hearts, we feel. Sometimes it's, it's you know, I've talked to people and they get, they get anxious about what's happening in the news. But then some of us were, like I said earlier, we're so blinded by, what's, by all the strife in our own hearts that we don't even see what happens in the outside world. And either way, God wants to give you peace to understand that he's in control of all things. Think about that, that young woman that, that Chrissy talked about earlier. She's 16 years old. If you missed worship, she had an appointment with a 16-year-old a girl who, who started coming to our church on her own. And who her parents, she, she, she was talking to her and, and she was, she started, she could tell, that, Chrissy could tell that this girl, that she was a little anxious about the holidays because it was going to look like something she had never experienced before because her parents had just divorced. And so this girl, think about the peace that's necessary to walk every day of her life. And as we were singing, you're a good, good father, I was sitting there and I was thinking, God, help her to understand that this peace that it can come right now and fill her heart, but that when she leaves this building, that peace can control every bit of anxiety, every bit of worry, every bit of insecurity that she may feel. And she knows that you're in control, that bad things may happen, but your plan for her is perfect and pleasing and that you order the steps of the righteous. Nobody else does. See, when you, when, you understand, when you walk close with God and you understand how good he is and how powerful he is, then you understand, you know what, things may happen in this world, but I'm righteous because I have peace with God. So because I'm righteous, God's going to order every single one of my steps. When I walk in one step, he's going to order the next one. And you know what, there may be wars here and there may be wars here. There may be storms there, but God is going to clear a path for me. It's a character trait of Jesus that God gives us perfect access to. I mean, think about Jesus. Jesus, when, when there were 5,000 people to feed and they had a little boy's lunch, they didn't, he didn't say, okay, what are we going to do? And he didn't run around panicking. He didn't say, oh, we need, we need, uh, we need a week to, to plan out this menu. No, no, very calmly, very peacefully. He said, all right, you do this, and you do this. And what? It was taken care of. Why? Because God's in control. He knew God was in control. 
when, the, when in Mark 6, the storm came. His disciples thought that boat was going to turn into a tomb. But for him, it was what? It was a bed. He had, the, he had peace. Right? When Jairus' daughter was, was, everybody thought that she was dead and he went to his home. And he said, no, she's, she's only sleeping. Everybody laughed at him. You know, God can give you peace to such an, to such an immense capacity that nobody can, not only can they not understand it, but they'll laugh at you. You'll face things in your life and you'll say, you know what? This is, this is just a season. This is just a moment, right? She's only sleeping. Oh, look at this fool. He doesn't know what's happening. He said, no, no, I, I, my father, he's a good, good father. He knows. She's just sleeping, right? I mean, when they, when they came and arrested him, he stood there peacefully. Peter, Peter sliced off somebody's ear. But Jesus, he said, you know what? My father's in control. When things were unjust to him, when things were unfair, and he went from unjust and unfair trial to trial and judge to judge, Jesus just marched obediently. He said, you know what? My father's in control. When he was on the cross, he didn't panic. He didn't panic. He interceded for the people to, the, to his left and the right. He said, Father, he said, for, Father, for the people who are punishing me, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What was that? That was peace. That was seeing God's plan in the midst of, of all these storms. He was saying, no, no, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on the prize. That's the peace of God. Jesus, I mean, he was God in the flesh. So he was walking on this earth with the characteristics of God. But here's the incredible promise of peace is that God says you have that same characteristic in you. It's not something, and listen, this isn't something you have to strive for. This isn't something you have to work up. This isn't something that you say, okay, in order to get peace, i got to wake up at 5 in the morning tomorrow. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. God says, no, no, no. Rest in my promises. My promises are yes and amen. Just rest. I'm going to give you peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm going to give you peace that people are going to be, think that it's so crazy they're going to laugh at you. But you know what? In the end, I know what's right. I know what's true. The, um, I can't help but, you know, I was, I was thinking about the, about God's peace and, and, uh, a lot of times I, I just, I hate wasting time. Anybody hate wasting time? And, um, and I remember in high school, uh, I could take the bus to school. I could take the bus partway to school, CTA bus, and then walk a couple blocks, or I could just walk the whole way. And sometimes when it's cold like today, there would be a long walk. But I remember I would, I would time it because I was like, you know, I'm, I got to get every minute of sleep I can. So I'm not trying to waste time on the bus. And so I would time, I would try to time how long it took on the bus to walk or just to walk directly to school. And what I found is that sometimes my commute by taking the bus would be 10 minutes. Sometimes it would be 35. Why? Because I never knew when the bus was coming. I would be standing, now this was before they had the CTA app and, and, and you know, bright lights saying, oh, eight minutes until 
bus 82 comes and stops at Hamlin. No, no, it was like, it was like, all right, you walk to the bus stop and you hope, there was like this silent hope that you had that the bus stop was just full of people because that meant that it hadn't come in a while and that it was coming soon, right? But when you came and then there was nobody there, then it was, then it was an issue and you're like, oh, should I go? Should I, should, I, should I try and like run between stop to stop and like hope that it comes and then I can catch it? You know, uh, one time when I, when I first moved somewhere in, uh, when I was in eighth grade or so, uh, I moved and, and my, um, I was in a, I was right, my, my house was right off of a street that had a bus. I mean, it was like right on the corner. And so after school, I said, all right, I'm going to take, I could take this bus, and I know that it comes, and I've taken it before, but this one's going to be quicker because it's going to drop me off right at the corner. And that's just a cool feeling to know that, like, I'm, I'm going to feel like the bus is like my personal valet. Like, they're dropping me right at the corner. And so, so I walk over to, uh, to the street from school. I'm in eighth grade. I'm like, all right, I don't see anybody waiting. I don't see the bus coming. I'm just going to walk to the next corner. I walk to the next corner. I'm like, all right, it's been, you know, seven minutes. I'm going to walk to the next corner. So I kept walking and walking and walking. Before I know it, I made it home. And this was not like, this was not my high school commute. This was like, like two and a half, three miles, only to find out that there wasn't even a bus on that street. But you know, things are a little different today. You don't have to walk to the, I mean, sometimes you have to walk to the bus, but, but now, you know, last week, I took an Uber. And the Uber just puts me at peace. <laughs> but I'm still a little anxious, because I'm, I'm the guy who has the phone out and says, all right, it's seven minutes. All right, Roberto, where are you at? It's been three minutes, but it still says seven minutes. What's up with this? All right, I got to text Roberto. Hey, where are you at? And, and I'm waiting, but you get to see where he's coming. And you get to see the turns that he's taking. If he takes a wrong turn, you start, I start, well, I'll just speak for myself. I start flipping out. I'm like, wait, wait, he's got to come here. He's got to come here. But God, he doesn't give you turn-by-turn directions on when he's coming or when he's going to answer or how he's going to answer. Sometimes you just got to walk to the bus stop and you got to say, God, when you come pick me up, I'm ready. When you come pick me up, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm ready, but you know what? Until then, I'm going to be actively waiting and, and I'm going to look for it so I don't miss it. But when it comes, I'm stepping on and I'm riding along and I'm along for your ride, no, nothing else. I mean, think about it. The shepherds that the angels are making this declaration to, they were waiting 400 years. It was 400 years of silence. It was 400 years that, that not only was God not on earth yet, that hadn't happened and that, hadn't, that wasn't taking place. And they didn't know when that was taking place. But for 400 years, God didn't even send a prophet. God didn't even send somebody with a word. It was 400 years of silence and waiting and nothing, nothing, nothing. But then God came. And the angel said, you see this right here? It's peace. 
You know what? You might be, you might, it might have, it might feel like, you might say, man, I've been, been trying to, to grasp on to God, to grasp on to God, and I've been trying to, to live with God, but man, it's been silent, and it feels like it's been 400 years. It feels like it's been an eternity that I haven't gotten a word from God. God's saying, hey, I'm giving you peace. And when my word comes, it's going to topple all the nations. It's going to topple. Because, listen, when they heard that word of peace, now wars that are going on or governments that are going on, no, no, no. It, it didn't matter. The Bible says that war ceased. And, and was, it, was it all the physical battles? Those, those will end one day. But it was the people's hearts. God is saying, hey, this world, it has A or B or C. It might have this war. It might have this challenge. But I'm most engaged and most in tune and your heart is the most important thing to me it's more important than anything else he's saying hey I want peace in your heart with me but I want you to walk but that's not it I came to give you life and life abundantly I want you to walk in life abundantly with the real peace that I have God says last thing and then and then we'll close there was, a, uh, there was a European monarch who was in charge. Obviously, he was the king. He was, he was in charge. And, and he, would, um, he would upset his court, almost like his cabinet or his team of advisors. They would get upset because he would go missing for days on end. Now, he didn't just run from things. But what he would do is he would go incognito and live with his people. He would go incognito and kind of march with the army or incognito and go, go work in the villages. And they would get upset and they would say, hey, for security reasons, you, you got to stop because you might go missing and, and we may not find you. There, somebody could get to you that, that, you know, that we don't want to get to you. And he said, I cannot rule my people unless I know how they live. You know, Jesus that's why he came to this earth. God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. He said, you know what? I came to this earth so that I could share in every one of their infirmities, so that I could share in every one of their iniquities, so that I could know what it feels like to be tempted. Now, Jesus, he was perfect. He, was, he never fell, but he knows what it's like to be tempted. So the Bible says that he can, he can give a way out. He knows what it's like to be bombarded by storms and be bombarded by anxiousness, be bombarded by the wars of this world and all the things that the enemy throws at you. But he also knows what it's like to walk in perfect peace. God, he came, think about this. He left, he left heaven. It says that there are streets of gold. He left everything. He left royalty to come and be born in a manger that they didn't even have room for. Like, like the lowest of the low. The shepherds were there celebrating, and there wasn't much else. And, and, and even, you know, Pastor Dave was talking about earlier, the shepherds were like, like low class. Like that was like a fallback option if you couldn't get another job. So the shepherds were there, but, but who else was there? But Jesus, he didn't care. He said, no, no, I'm coming to be the lowliest of the low so that, I could, so that there's nobody that I can't identify with. So today, we're going to sing in a moment, but... If you say, you know what, I, 
I don't, you know, I've been, I've been trying to seek God or, or I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know where you're at. I don't know each, each and every one of you where you're at. But maybe your relationship with God is, is non-existent. Maybe it's strained. Maybe you've had one before, but, but it's, been, it's been missing something. God says, hey, I came so that you could have peace with me. So that I could walk arm in arm with you. And you're not worrying about, oh, is he, is he judging by what I did in the past? Or is he judging what I'm thinking? Or, or No, God's saying, hey, I came to be with you and to help you. And then God's saying, hey, maybe your relationship with me is great. Maybe you, you don't battle with that. Maybe, you're, maybe you don't battle with shame or condemnation. Or, or maybe, you know, you're, you're okay with me, but, but you still walk around with anxiousness. Or your, your thoughts are, are, are preoccupied by, by all these worries of the world, whether it's finances or it's relationships or it's jobs or, or it's insecurities. God's saying, no, the same peace that Jesus operated with on this earth, perfect peace that surpasses all understanding. God's saying, hey, I have that for you. So listen, with our eyes closed, you know what, let's stand. Every person in this room, we're going to stand and we're going to close in just a moment. But with your eyes closed, as we start to sing, Either lay your hand on your heart or lift your hand up to God. And this is a gift that God wants to give you. And you can receive it right now. You can receive it when you walk out of this building. It's a continual receiving that God says, hey, there's this gift and I want you to receive it, not just for a moment, but I want you to receive it for the rest of the day. I want you to receive it for a week, for a month, for a lifetime. God is offering you this peace. Hallelujah. It's well, oh God. It's well with my soul, oh Lord. well with my soul oh God because you're in control oh God Lord there's no Lord there's nothing that can come against me that circumvents your peace oh God hallelujah
we're gonna we're gonna sing that in a moment but first we're gonna pray and before we pray I want you to I want you to open your eyes real quick and there's there's a last there's a quote that I want to put up on the screen and Charles Spurgeon said this and Charles Spurgeon um, victoriously fought depression and and all sorts of battles in his life but he was victorious because he knew that God offered perfect peace and in regards to peace he said this if you do not come to God you will receive no peace if you do not keep him keep near him you will retain no peace and if you do not grow nearer and nearer to him you will miss much of the peace that you might have so it's possible to gain peace and then to lose it but what God promises is, hey, there is peace on earth and goodwill to men, to, to those on whom my favor rests. And God favors you. He has chosen you. And he wants peace to not only be a small part of your life. He doesn't just want you to receive it. But he wants your life to be marked by peace. And so what I want us to do is we're going to sing in a moment, but I want us to pray and we're going to pray for ourselves right now. Put your hand on your heart. Say, God, give me peace, oh God. God, I receive the peace that you offer. God, I receive peace from you, oh God. I receive peace with you, oh God. God, I receive the peace, oh God, Lord, that restores the relationship with you, oh God. God, I receive a peace, oh God, Lord, that reconciles me with you in spite of my sin, oh God. Lord, it's greater, oh God, than any darkness I may have faced, oh God. And God, your peace, oh God, it's greater than any storm. It's greater than any mountain, oh God. But Lord, you give me peace, oh God, to walk in my life, oh God. Your peace allows me to say that in spite of storms, in spite of persecution, in spite of anything facing me, oh God, it is well with my soul, oh God. It is never not well with my soul, oh God, because Lord, you're the captain of my soul, oh God. I seize control, oh God, and you have control, oh God. Hallelujah. It is well with my soul, oh God. Come on, declare that just as the heavenly host declared it over us. God, it is well with our soul, oh God. God, we receive your gift of peace, oh God. We receive the promises, oh God, that come with it, oh God. Lord, that you will walk with us, that you will be with us, oh God. Lord, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, oh God.
Last thing and then we'll dismiss. Grab the hand of somebody next to you. And you know, we never know, we never know what battle the person next to us might face. But I want you to pray right now. Pray for the peace of God to rest on them as they walk about in their lives. God, you offer perfect peace, oh God. Lord, give them peace, oh God. Lord, to encounter all situations, oh God. Lord, just as Paul told Timothy, oh God, keep your head in all situations, oh God. Lord, help us to keep our head, oh God. Lord, knowing that you're in control. Knowing, oh God, Lord, that you never leave us nor forsake us, oh God. Knowing that we are the apple of your eye, oh God. And Lord, you do not make mistakes, oh God. You do not walk away from us, oh God. Hallelujah, God. God, we pray that the limitations of our thoughts, that the limitations of our minds and our heart wouldn't diminish the valuing of your gift of peace, oh God. Help us to understand, oh God, Lord, that that you that it was that we were bought at a price, oh God, and that God we were reconciled to be with you. You deemed it a worthy cause, oh God, to send your only Son, oh God, Lord, not just to die for us, oh God, and to redeem us, oh God, but Lord also to give us peace to walk in our lives, oh God, Lord, to to shine a light, oh God, and Lord to to be your representative, oh God, Lord, to be the ones, oh God, that would carry your peace across this earth, oh God. So God, help us oh God give us the grace oh God Lord to walk in peace oh God and Lord to walk Lord according to your will and your plan oh God so God even as we leave Lord we receive peace for today we receive peace for all the situations that we'll encounter oh God we receive peace for every one of our relationships oh God Lord for everyone for in our jobs oh God Lord that you would give us peace that surpasses all understanding oh God in every area of our life oh God Lord that it would be marked not by just the peace of this world but by a peace that astonishes the rest of the world oh God so God, we love you, we thank you, and we receive the gift in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Come on, give a clap to Jesus. Hallelujah.